Hello, I'm Rob Beckett. And I'm Josh Whittacombe. Welcome to Parents in Hell, the show in which Josh and I discuss what it's really like to be a parent, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, to make ourselves, and hopefully you, feel better about the trials and tribulations of modern day parenting, each week we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how they're coping. Or hopefully how they're not coping. And we'll also be hearing from you, the listener, with your tips, advice, and of course, tales of parenting woe. Because let's be honest, there are plenty of times when none of us know what we're doing. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Hello, you're listening to Parents in Hell with... Olivia, can you say Josh Whittacombe? Josh And can you say Rob Beckett? Rob Beckett. Who do you like more, Rob or Josh? Rob. Unbelievable. No hesitation. Josh. Change your mind? Yes. Okay. You giveth and taketh away. Who is that scumbag charlatan changing her mind? Olivia. <laughs> Big fans of the podcast, you managed to make us feel like we're not alone with relentless madness that is parenting. This is Olivia, who's two and a half years old and big sister to Harry, being indecisive about her favourite host. Keep up the great work, Mike and Jess from Liverpool. Bye. Big up, Mike and Jess. Now, Josh, we should explain what's going on. You're lying on the floor with a child's dressing gown under your neck. So this 10 minutes we've recorded just after the Tuesday episode, Rob. We can be honest about that, can't we? We've recorded for an hour and your neck's hurting, so now you're laying on the floor. It's not even that it's hurting, it just needs a... A bit of pressure taken off it. <laughs> so, and how does it feel laying on the floor doing the episode? Relaxing. I'm trying to do my breathing at the same time. That's why I went silent. What breathing? I hold a lot of tension in my shoulders, Rob. Yep. Won't surprise you to know. So I'm breathing in a relaxed manner. Yes, of course, and that's great. I sort of do need you to be on a podcast as well at the same time. I've got some lay- bad news, Rob. Okay. About my room it's the first time i've noticed there's a dead fly in my light right okay because you're you're staring at the light because i'm staring at the light yeah what do you do about that because it's like a bulb well i'd argue that if it's the only time you've seen it it's not going to bother you do you know what that's a good point i can't see you laying down doing the podcast being a thing i think it really takes energy out of you okay let me bring some energy how's it going with the kids this week um, my daughter's made it onto the eco-committee, Rob. Okay, what's that mean? Two kids from each year meet up to save the world. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, I know. 
I think it might be the turning point that the world's looking for, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. What's our ideas been so far? Well, it started today. Okay, yeah, but we should have started yesterday, mate. We're up against it. We've got to get the world down by two degrees. <laughs> Come on, ideas. <laughs> What's going on with this committee? Yeah, they do need to get going. So hopefully she'll make some big changes. But the world is safe. I think when she comes home and she looks at her dad grafting away and making change, lying on his floor, talking to his mate about his kid. My carbon footprint's pretty good work-wise. I'm just lying in my office. <laughs> lying in your office, staring at the ceiling. Yeah. It's quite weird, this lying on the floor thing. I don't feel like I'm doing the opening bit of an episode. I feel like I'm interrupting your sleep. Yeah, I probably won't do it again. I wouldn't say it's bringing loads to the show. Okay, okay. Do you know what the problem is, Rob? We never know what to talk about in the intro section anyway. Yeah, true. Agree. Shall I bring something up to you? Bring something up that's going on in your life that you want to chat about. Hopefully we'll riff. It'll be gold and then we can bring on the guest. I texted my agent and I said, oh, there's a job I want. I've never done that before. Really? Yeah, I've never done it before. Okay. What job do you want? I said I heard on the grapevine that Greg Wallace has left inside the factory. I'd love to do that job. (laughs) Is this true? Yeah. And she said, yeah, they've already announced Paddy McGuinness is doing it. Really? Yeah, so for about a minute I dreamt and then it was like, oh, well, that's the end of that then. Why do you want to do Inside the Factory so much? I fucking love Inside the Factory, Rob. Why has Greg Wallace left? Well, Fucking hell, he's done seven series. Yeah, he's been to a lot of factories. Series seven, episode nine. Jesus Christ. I'm sure Paddy will have fun. Series eight. At Coca-Cola or wherever he's going. They run out of factories, wouldn't they? Well, you'd think so. Do you think I'd be good on Inside the Factory? I think... How many almonds are you putting in there? Bloody hell. Yeah, do you know what? That kind of stuff. And I think, because I know you, I think you'd be great, but I think maybe the TV execs might think you might be low energy, but I know when you get excited how much you love it. Yeah, but I'm lying on the floor. It's difficult for me to argue that I'd bring energy at this exact moment. Yeah, you're laying there while someone's packing cereal boxes, 200 boxes a minute, and you're like, oh, my neck hurts a bit. Yeah, I'm on the fucking floor of the Kellogg's factory. <laughs> He's got a Weetabix <laughs> under his head. <laughs> Chuck has cut a Weetabix, mate. I need to prop my head up. Healing me down here. <laughs> oh, so Paddy's doing it. Oh, that's a shame, but you really wanted that job. There's really wanted, and there's finding out six months after Greg Wallace has left. <laughs> that he's left and thinking, oh, that'd be quite a fun job. I'll text my agent and then finding out he hasn't. Yeah. And then never thinking about it again until someone says, oh, we've got 10 minutes of content before someone comes on. <laughs> I thought I could tell that anecdote. I would love to host You Bet if it came back. Yeah. And Family Fortunes, but Gino does that at the moment. It does a great job oh, on it. He'd be so good on Family Fortunes, Rob. I genuinely think if there was a job created for someone, it's me on Family for Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Get a posh family. Working class yeah. family playing them off against each other. Oh, I'll be all over it. Bit of banter yeah. between the mum, the dad, and the kids. Oh. And I'd like to host Question Time. I'd hate that. Have you been on it as a guest? No, absolutely F that. I never get why comics do that. They got asked to do it. Romish did it once with Nigel Farage, didn't he? Let me tell you this. Yeah. Question Time is the worst job on TV. You go on as a comic. Yep. You get incredible amounts of abuse. Yep. Can't be funny. Not allowed to be funny. Not allowed to be funny. You have to sit there with someone who you probably hate. <laughs> Doesn't stop you on the last leg. <laughs> a lovely bit of business. <laughs> and then you have to be t- abused on social media because Doesn't you don't stop know you on what the last you're leg. talking about. Yeah, oh, here we go. This is really good. 
<laughs> yeah, so you can't be funny. You get abused on social media. You're sitting with someone who's got opposing views that you're going to hate and yeah. argue with. I can't imagine the pay's great. What are you trying to prove? And it's always in the middle of nowhere where they've gone to, like, the Rhonda Valley. Yeah. Half the audience actively thinks you're a prick for having views. <laughs> Bit like the last leg. Here we go. This is great. Honestly, I can't believe people would want to go on that show. It's so toxic. I tell you why it's toxic. Because of Twitter. Yes. Before that, Sorry, it X. made sense. It's because X. now it's, it's called X. people debating stuff. X. It's called X. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. X, formerly known as but Twitter. But now it's basically go on so that everyone on X can criticise you. But for some comics, they are political comics, so they've got to go on there to prove that they know what they're talking about. Yeah, exactly. But I think you're just... I just couldn't believe it when they asked me. You've got flashbacks to this week. Oh, don't, Rob. Was it this week where you went on that political yeah. news programme in a neil-fated oh way God. to promote your tour and got in trouble with Michael Portillo? Oh, we spoke about this. We definitely spoke about yeah, this before. Yeah, we have. Yeah, add it to the list. But where Josh basically accused Michael Portillo and who was it? Diane Abbott. Diane Abbott. No, I didn't accuse Diane Abbott. <laughs> you accused Michael Portillo of going to a private school and Andrew Neil, and they all went to comprehensives and you went, oh! <laughs> I don't know if I accused Andrew Neil. I accused Michael Portillo. But, and it all got a bit awkward, didn't it? I just want to say, why are you wearing fucking red trousers then if you're under a <laughs> Go on, mate. You can't love trains and wear red trousers and go to a comprehensive. How did yeah. you survive? What went on at your fucking comprehensive in that case? Because though, look at those trousers. I think that's fair. I think I would have assumed Michael Portillo went to that school. Yeah, and to be fair to Portillo... Very polite off camera. <laughs> to be fair to Portillo laying down in your office. <laughs> Did you ever think when you were shuffling around Dartmoor, you'd be lying in your office staring at a dead fly of a bad neck talking about <laughs> your back and forth with Michael Portillo on the telly? I mean, his name is Michael Denzil Xavier Portillo. Yeah, come, come on. on. How did he go to a comp? Are we sure he wasn't lying? <laughs> Let me try. Oh, let's try and find out. I'm on his Wikipedia. See what school he went to. You don't say, actually. I'm going to try and find out. So the Harrow County School for Boys apparently went to. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Is that Harrow County? It's a grammar school. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> they could definitely have fooled private, but I think he got in that grammar school, so they sent him there. Oh, there we go. I didn't go to a private school. Suddenly, <laughs> 15 years on, who's the winner? <laughs> who's the winner? Is it you, Josh? Doesn't feel like it. You look like you're winning. You're technically at work and you're laying down with a stiff neck. Exactly. Meanwhile, this train show is now on Channel 5, so who's the winner? <laughs> who's the winner? Yeah, who's the winner between Josh Whittacombe and Michael Porter? I love this beat. I love Portillo. I think he's a great talker. He was nice off camera. Lovely off camera. Yeah. I went on this week with Andrew Neil as well. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I know you went on the week after <laughs> because you phoned me and said, what's it like? And I said, watch the YouTube clip. And then you just sent me a text saying, oh, God. Oh, right, Josh, we bring in our guest. Yeah. Let's welcome the man himself. Michael Portillo. <laughs> it's not Portillo. It's not Portillo. Do you know what? Here's a trick. <laughs> Look at the name of the episode. That's who it is. We always do these kind of reveals. <laughs> Who's listening to it and doesn't know who it is? Read it. There's your intro. I like you on the floor. Get you on your back. You get a bit saucy. Yeah, I've got more energy. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Angela Scanlon, welcome to the podcast. It's been a stressful start, but we're all here together now. Josh was downstairs sorting out the kids. My microphone's broken, so I'm holding a handheld one like I'm, I'm a lunatic on a podcast. And <laughs> you got on the wrong bus, but we're here now. TV presenter, mother, recently a Strictly contestant. Angela, how busy is your life at the moment? Do you know what? It's suddenly become very not busy. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly have quite a bit of free time and I'm not sure I like it. But no, look, it's been absolute madness the past few months. So we changed you on Tuesday. You got voted off of Strictly at the weekend or on Sunday, but we all know really it's Saturday. That weird thing they still do. <laughs> do you clear your diary until Christmas? So you like, I'm going to get some time off if I get knocked out. Or have you got stuff in and you're like, I'll put that in. No, I kind of cleared the decks. Usually my approach to life is pile it high, fill it up. If there's space in the diary, fill it in. And I've kind of learned over the years that actually that might not be the best approach. You are Josh Widdicombe. You two are the exact same person. Yeah, I do worry for your mental health. So do I, babe. I just came from therapy on the wrong bus. (laughs) 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 I've been going for quite a while, FYI. I shouldn't have got the wrong bus. But anyway, yeah, I think I've kind of learned that like emotionally is not just about physically fitting things in, but that actually there may be requirements for a bit of space in your life and brain. So I'm getting to grips with that side of adulthood. I think that's very key. Just because you can physically fit it in, you need to work out emotionally if you can process that and be alive and present when you're there. Big time, because I think that's what I used to do. Would literally like barrel from one thing to the next and go, God, I'm where am I going? I'm already on to the next thing by the time I'm in something that could have been quite monumental. So I did think, okay, I'd heard friends of mine who had done strictly before and like they with two kids clear the decks like you won't be able for it anyway (laughs) which is the kind of encouraging chat you get from good pals so how old are the kids they are five and uh 18 well she was 18 months when we started but like 20 months oh the pause made me laugh but i think when they're months you're allowed a pause ah yeah if you'd gone seven i would have judged it (laughs) (laughs) so no like almost six and two in february but yeah, so in the thick of it. How did that work with Strictly? Because famously with Strictly, it's become a bit like a nuclear arms race, hasn't it? In that everyone has to do more and more hours practice. You should all just agree, let's do 10 hours. But no, instead, everyone's doing 12 hours a day. A week, not a day, Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean, a week, yeah. But instead, everyone's doing more and more and more and more practice. So you have to do it to keep up. So how does that work with parenting? I mean, my husband, bless him, has been carrying 
a lot the last while and we've just leaned heavily I mean my whole family are in Ireland they came over to help out on a couple of occasions but yeah you just end up and I'm not great at asking for help as a rule I mean I think you have to as a parent you certainly have to as a mother doing bloody strictly with two small kids you're literally calling in the favours I'm like okay which WhatsApp group can I hit up today any chance to pick up today gang yeah, we have a childminder, which everyone seems to be weird about talking about publicly. But I'm like, genuinely, the idea of... We've got jobs. Exactly that. Sometimes there's a lot of secrecy around that and this kind of illusion that you're doing it all. and You just happen to magically meet in the middle and the timings never go tits up. So you're practising the foxtrot while holding an 18-month-old. Is that That's what people are picturing. She's in a sling on my back. I'm breastfeeding my (laughs) (laughs) five-year-old while doing the samba on a fountain. So it was quite a gear change. And weirdly, that was part of the motivation for doing it for me was, you know, when you're in the thick of motherhood and that becomes a kind of defining role, obviously. (laughs) And you, yeah, slightly lose touch maybe with parts of yourself. And so I was... Yeah, quite keen to unleash the beast within. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I suppose you do, because that is the point where you start to get your life back a little bit when they're 18 months, you're still young, but it's not the proper middle of the night. She's sleeping through, you know. Exactly. You can sort of focus on yourself a bit because it is unfair, especially more for mums and dads where you sort of become a mum and it's all consuming because it most of the time has a physical toll on your body that you're recovering from and psychologically that can take longer. So like there is a moment where you want to reclaim a bit of right, yeah, I'm a mum, but I'm also just a person person called Angela that wants to have a life. Totally. And I mean, part of me would have loved to forget that at certain points in training. And then the old pelvic floor let me down and the Charleston, I was like, lads, honestly, I can't do that handstand in the middle of the dance. And I kind of joked about it. And then the reality of it was, it was quite real. I am pleased to say it's now stronger. Which oh. is a result. So that's a little tip for mothers out there. If they want the pelvic floor back in action, just, just get them strictly. Just, just do eight weeks of dancing. Of clenching. Yeah, and make sure you get to Blackpool. You'll need to get to Blackpool to see the full you effect. you got to get to Blackpool, lads. You have to do an Argentine tango, specifically in Blackpool. That's quite raunchy with your mother and father looking on. I highly recommend it. Oh, God, yeah. How are the raunchy ones? Because that's the thing with Strictly, isn't it? It's like you've got to commit to it to make the dance work, but it does feel odd when you're, like, married with two kids. Yeah. But you know what? It actually, I think that's the joy of it is the escape from like reality into those characters and look I'm not an actor but to be able to kind of put on like a mad ponytail and glitter in your hair and a dress that you would never (laughs) wear in real life look I guess the relationship with your dance partner has a lot to do with how comfortable or not you might feel in those particular settings but I think I got very very lucky and we just had an absolute whale of a time and yeah you look like you was absolutely loving it we had a ball but I remember the first time we met I tried to lead which is kind of story of my life and like it's still <laughs> quite traditional in ballroom and like Latin the, the woman follows so the man invites and the woman follows and I like clamped his hand and was like come on trying to twirl him around he's like you've a lot to learn and so it was this kind of sense of actually me slightly surrendering to that position of the female which was quite nice and yeah I think he was allowed to be a bit freer in himself as well which was fun but we had a great time I mean literally I've been sobbing for days lads I'm hoping that I can keep my shit together on this it's mad really so did it really affect you then Really affected me. Yeah. 
in ways I just hadn't really anticipated, which I think is good in life. It's nice to be knocked around the head with a bit of surprise and like <laughs> levels of emotion that aren't really felt in day-to-day situations and certainly not in professional. I mean, you know, you have highs and lows, but like I love an old deep cry. You know, I like to listen <laughs> to music, watch a film that induces emotion. Like I am not interested in comedy. No offense. I want to feel <laughs> someone's struggle. I want to feel <laughs> that's the kind of shit I'm into, you know. So actually I've really been scratching that itch. You want someone getting on the wrong bus. That's what you want. You want the sadness of someone on the wrong bus. And the triumph at the end and the growth. <laughs> what do you think made you sort of upset then? Do you think it was more sad that you couldn't do it and the process of it? Or did you think it was a bit harsh? How did you feel about it then? Was it just sadness that you're not involved like in the actual competition part? Yeah, I think it just felt just a bit premature and just mm. a bit unlucky. And, you know, there's a kind of like fall of the cards and also Blackpool. We had done like an amazing routine in Blackpool. That was kind of like our best of the series. So it was quite a come down. And then I think the reality is you're in this, like, and the people talk about the bubble. I was like, I don't really know what they're talking about bubble, but genuinely, like me getting on the wrong bus is because I have not gotten on a bus for a number of months. There's somebody waiting outside the house to bring you to training. Like every single day is... Scheduled, yeah. Yeah, I think the reality of that ending. We had a few little tricks up our sleeves that I was really looking forward to. Because if I was doing it, I'd want to be voted out almost immediately and still be paid. I don't think there's any worries there, Rob. I think I can make that happen, Rob. <laughs> like, How little training do you think I could get away with if I went the opposite approach to you? Well, none. Just none. You see, the problem, Rob, is that I have quite a bit of pride in myself. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I gave up on that years ago. <laughs> I envy that freedom, you know what I mean? I'm loose as it comes, Angela. Uh, you're like, give me the fat cash and sign me out after a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can I ask a question which... And I'd be interested in your take on this as well, Rob. Yeah. If I did Strictly, yeah, I'd be annoyed if I told Rose I'd signed up to Strictly and she didn't at least say, I'm a bit worried about the curse. I'd be slightly... She can't lie. <laughs> <to you>. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you want her to pretend that a dancer will fall in love with you, Josh? I'd like her to go, look... There's a chance one of these dancers is going to fall for you here, Josh. Did your <laughs> husband at any point say, I'm worried about the curse? I mean, look, it's easy to fall in love with a neurotic redhead. <laughs> <laughs> However, he wasn't that worried, weirdly. <laughs> I mean, he often said, ah, you'll be back soon enough anyway. So I think... Um... <laughs> No, look, honestly, I don't know about the whole curse. Like, I get it in that you spend an exponential amount of time. Yeah. I mean, it's only like the beginning of a relationship or like a teenage friendship where you're kind of like yeah, yeah, in yeah, each yeah, other's yeah. pockets on a gap year. It's that sort of intensity. So in adulthood, it happens so rarely that it's quite like, oh, what is this? And also, I think... You're with the person who's kind of caring for you through very exposing, vulnerable 
moment. Yeah, so yeah. I kind of had thought about the physicality being the main issue, but actually, you know, emotionally, it's quite. Oh, it's more of an emotional. I really think so. It's not just people just getting jiggy. They're like crying and cuddling and shit. It's not just because you're pressed up against them in small amounts of clothes. <laughs> yeah, but also you're really not for very long. Uh, oh, so you'd say it's more the bubble and the emotional support. I think so. Like, it's quite technical, you know. Oh, not the way I'm going to do it, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> He's going all in on the Samba week one. I'm going to come out and do the robot for the Samba and just go, that's the way I interpreted. Calm down, Anton. You and Les Dennis, babe. Do you think Lou would be worried about the curse, Rob? Well, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> I wouldn't be there long enough at training. <laughs> it's very hard to have an affair into a 25-minute run through the <laughs> steps see you on Saturday. Wing it on the night. Yeah. I'll probably just do it on the night. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. They'd hate me, the dancers. You'd be grand. I'm used to improv. Yeah. Experience. <laughs> and a five-year-old. Mm. So my daughter's six, but she loved it last year when she was five. Yeah. So did your five-year-old daughter, did she watch? I mean, obsessed. And Aww. we hadn't really watched it before. She was heavily, heavily invested and brutal as a critic, like. Really? Brutal. You'd come home after getting a sucker punch from Craig on a Saturday night and then you've got this little shit telling you what you did or didn't do wrong. <laughs> it was very humbling, but yeah, it was actually really lovely because you know most of the stuff she doesn't really see or it's not really of interest to her and then you're in these mad dresses and it was really sweet, but she would often say, we did the walls, which was like a few weeks back, I said, well, what did you think of our walls? And technically, guys, I don't know whether you're into ballroom, but it was actually quite a big deal. And, um, <laughs> your Viennese waltz, you got 28 for that. No, nah, my Viennese waltz wasn't great. No, this Oh, is your normal waltz, you got 33. Thank you, babe. Look at you with the scoreboards. You got nine from Anton and nine from Motsi as well. Mm -hmm. That is really superb. What happened with the Viennese version? Uh, Viennese is a lot of twirling. We maybe took it easy on that week after a... Sevens across the board. Strudel at the end. It wasn't a good moment for us. And also I got a bit fucked with the dress, let's be honest. <laughs> Not a great dress for a 12. No, but maybe for a little girl. Oh, and it had followed on from your Charleston. Your Charleston scored 35 in week three. Are you on Wikipedia, Josh, or have you remembered all this? No, no, I just remember it all really well. <laughs> He's just a super nerd. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. just loves the stats. I thought Craig giving you eight for your Argentine tango was unfair. I agree. I agree. Now that I can say it. <laughs> the other three gave you ten for Craig to give you eight. I get his yeah. role, but come on, mate. You got all tens for that tango and then an eight. Triple tens in Blackpool, yeah. So, yeah, it's a bit of a shock to go out, I suppose, then, because you've been hammering the tens and then all of a sudden... Yeah, I mean, saying hammering the tens, we literally got tens one week, but, like, we'll yeah. take it. <laughs> I'm a positive spin guy. I love that about you. And so she loved it, then, your daughter, watching it all and stuff. She did love it, but she said, I said, what do you think of her walls? And she said, yeah, it was a bit fancy. <laughs> she was like, I don't really know how to relate to it, you know? And she would say, mm, I preferred Leighton and Nikita's. Oh, that's oh. a killer, yeah. Mm. But no, they really enjoyed it. And I'd come in from training and they would say, the little one would say, dance, dance, which was cue for me to get out my phone and show her whatever run through we had recorded from the day so she could have a little look. Oh, that's nice. It was really sweet, actually, really sweet. It's very hard now when she says, Carlos, oh. <laughs> see Carlos? I'm like, no, babe, we're not. <laughs> oh, God. Did you, because obviously the Sunday's recorded on the Saturday afterwards so you know the spoiler result alert. spoiler alert you know the result on the sunday did you make your daughter watch it 
as live to see whether you'd gone through or no she came in on sunday morning i was like mom who went home i did and she like her little head into my lap that is painful yeah and she now has just come up like this morning i was in bed and she came in and she rubbed my face and she went i'm sad you went home too Oh, oh my god. god. It's too oh much. God. Oh also, you know you're in a vulnerable state when you're getting held up by a five-year-old, you know? <laughs> She's your emotional support system, the five-year-old. It's okay, Mum. Did you take her there? She did go to a couple of the rehearsals, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And she loved it. And it's funny, we did um, a Paso on Halloween week to Black Swan, like, open the show. It was very dramatic. And they came with my husband, Roy, and the two girls. And Marnie was like, Mama, Mama, shouting in the audience. Aww. And I was like, hey, girl. And Carlos said, into character now, please, because I was like this wild, dark Black Swan. Oh, so wow. Very different roles in any given day. But you've got loads of time now to spend with your kids leading up to Christmas now that you're not on Strictly. Are you excited about that or is this stressful? No, you know what? It is what it is. And it will be kind of lovely, I suppose, (laughs) (laughs) to do a bit of shopping and put up the Christmas tree. I'm going to lean heavily in. Christmas has started Hmm. now. I'm going all in. And will you watch on Saturday? Do you still have to go in? Oh, no, I absolutely won't watch. I couldn't watch Sunday's show. I'm quite like when I'm done, I'm done. I need to disconnect. What if your daughter wants to watch? Well, she can do it on her own, Josh. <laughs> you watch that. I'll be in bed crying, OK? If you want to sit there watching them dance, sure, but I'll be in bed crying. Yeah, you go for it, but you're on your own. <laughs> can I ask one more Strictly question? Because I've got yeah, to... and then can we move on? This is yeah. like salt sorry, in the wound, sorry. Josh. Jesus, no. Are the VTs as painful to record as they look on the show? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's always like there's literally someone there all the time. And like, here's the thing, and it's actually amazing because in one way that was the biggest issue for me. I do not like being seen in the process, right? I Mm. like to be like delving in there, all the pain and all the messiness like away. And then I come out like this, you know, and hopefully make it look easy. And there was absolutely none of that. So you're literally being watched, not just by a teacher and Mm. like multiple VT people in and out, but then you're being watched by the entire nation while struggling to get a hip rotation or whatever. So it's, Humbling, let's just say. Well, well done. I don't know how you do it. It's such well, a, it's a lot of commitment, that. Yeah. Yeah, it was good, honestly. And genuinely incredible experience. And I'd heard people, I was like, this is always so cliched, people talking about these things. But it was, yeah, it was amazing. I have no regrets. No regrets. Well, we've got a real feel for you. I'd say in the first minute as to what you're like day to day. How does that translate into parenting? I would say I'm a relaxed parent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm kind of more the emotional support, which I know in this moment is hard to believe. But yeah. I <laughs> remember reading. Have you read Philippa Perry's book, the book you wish your parents had and your kids yeah. did it? Anyway, I read that when I was pregnant, I think, or maybe when Rubes was very small. And I remember thinking, like our generation, I don't know whether this is like a distinctly Irish thing, but I suspect there are 
areas here where our like age group would have felt the same thing, which was like, dry your eyes and deal with this. We're trying to get the dinner ready. So I had, uh, I was very committed to allowing all of the feelings to be felt. So mm. we now have a very emotionally <laughs> savvy, communicative five-year-old who expresses herself any way she wants, any time and any place she wants. <laughs> you sound like you're doing PR for a politician. You're like Boris Johnson's <laughs> PR. He's just a very emotionally connected guy. <laughs> when he feels something, he just does it. That's what people want. Just does it. She's a heart in her sleeve kind of woman, you know? Yeah, yeah. She tells it straight. She tells it straight, exactly. But then my second, it's funny because she's an absolute thug. It just really unexpected. She's very angelic to look at, has the most incredible eyes, like really soft kind of ethereal looking little one. But she is wild as the night sky. And I don't know whether that's a second child thing I mean I'm a second child so I kind of relate on some level but oh she's an absolute well, what's, is it your partner called Roy did you say Roy yeah and what's Roy like is he sort of like because Josh and Rose, Rose is a bit more of the calmer one would you say Josh I think that's unfair and organised no way more organised than me no way or she is way or yeah. not no no I'm the more organised one really what do you mean by that oh sorry I'm just looking at your background babe Look at all the shit behind you. Yeah, I know. That's because I'm doing so much work <laughs> to organise the house that I can't do my office. Oh, so I thought you were the sort of the neurotic one and Rose was the calm, safe pair of hands, Josh. I don't think it's time to put labels on people, Rob. Life okay. isn't about like, labels. Not anymore, it's not. Would you say Roy's a bit more chilled, Angela? Is he more chill? He's certainly more organized i would say like we say i'm the creative director and he's logistics and security right <laughs> so like <laughs> i'll have the idea and he'll make sure it gets done you know uh, okay. so come to me if you want like a bit of inspiration but then you need to book it you know what i mean yeah lou's <laughs> like the creative director and in charge of the warehouse she somehow <laughs> have an idea and what do you do rob what are you rob the four-lift truck driver. I can't keep up. I don't know what I am. I'm just like the temp that wanders around the boss and the boss hasn't really learned to delegate. And I'm like, well, I'll go in every day, but I don't get asked to do anything. Well, that's her problem. As a boss, she needs to learn to delegate. Well, she said the other day, she went, there's a bit of space there. It'd be quite nice to have a nutcracker there. What? Like a Christmas nutcracker. How big is a nutcracker? Well, she wanted a massive one. This one's only about four foot, but I think she got duped. Four some... foot? That's big enough. Yeah, but she wanted like a big one. You know them big ones have outside the house, but she found it cheap. Obviously, it's half the size. They always do that on the internet. But she went, oh, she said to me, well, a nutcracker would look good there. This was 8 a.m. in the morning. I went, yeah, it would actually. Yeah, it's pretty good. Anyway, I went out, went to work, come back at 11 p.m. There was one there. I was like, how the fuck have you made that happen? She's a doer. Yeah. I've got news for you, Rob. She'd ordered it two days before. No, no, no. She was absolutely playing you, Rob. She thought, fuck, I haven't mentioned that nutcracker that I bought on eBay in the auction when I was drunk. I need to talk Rob into the nutcracker because it's <laughs> arriving today. Well, she's a machine for it. Well, but... she nailed it. Well, you know, my first holiday with Roy, his name is Horgan and they're very organized. I mean, this is who I'm married oh, to, right? I like it. And so when we went on holidays, he had a laminated spreadsheet with so, uh, so, so sorry has he got his own laminator or has he taken it to snappy snap no he he had his own laminator back in the day and so <laughs> oh, <that's right. laughs> yeah it gets better because he had a wallet sized version just for ease so oh, the yeah. main one was in the suitcase and then the holiday one would come out so we'd arrive in a hotel 
and he'd be able to see this hotel. Okay, we paid 50%. So actually, we just owe you 50% for that. Oh, and here's the reference wow. number. God, I always do Honestly, that. but I realise when I travel with him, I just go into, like, it's like he's taken three kids on holidays. And I'm quite actually, I mean, oddly functional when I'm on my own, <laughs> despite this morning yeah. episode. Yeah. But usually I know I'm like, you don't need, I make it to the play. I'm an actual, like pretty professional woman. I turn up on yeah. time. I do the gig. I don't miss the flight. But when I'm with him, I'm just like needs to be wheeled around. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> what about with the kids stuff? Like with after school clubs, drop off times, pick up times, play dates, birthdays. Who's taking the lead on all that then? I mean, it's a bit of a double whammy. Yeah, we kind of share quite equally. There's a, He doesn't really get involved in the parents' WhatsApp group, so I get a lot mm. of it. But I think I am a good delegator, Rob. So I will right. see something has to be done and then I will make sure the flyer is forwarded to the yeah. appropriate person. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah, so and then, you know, I went to the school conference the other morning. School conference groups have told me now that I'm in year one, it's actually like a debrief year one to see what she's been up to. There's no play like last time when she was in reception and just a baby. Yeah, they get a bit annoyed by that, don't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, she's very grown up. So I think we probably share the load quite well, depending on... The mental load. Yeah, would you say it's a fair share of your mental load? Mm, see, this is the thing, because I think the mental load generally tends to fall to the... What do they call it? Emotional labour, right? Mm. Where you go, oh... Rosa had her birthday last week. We definitely didn't get her a present yet. Has somebody signed the card for Rosa? Rubes, will you make a little card for Rosa there before we chuck that jumper in a bag? And so I think those things, yeah, probably definitely fall to me. Right. Remembering birthdays and bits and pieces. But yeah, he's. I would say he's better at, like, let's make sure we do the birthday or he's better at activities like getting up and going to go ape. I love a cuddle on the sofa, you know. <laughs> yeah. If she ever says I'm bored, I say, you know what? I bet Ed Sheeran was really bored before he wrote that album. <laughs> there you go. Not too much pressure then. No, I'm like boredom. All good stuff is born out of boredom. If there's no space for boredom, nothing good comes so I say go occupy yourself with your boredom or sit with it because I am not your full-time entertainer I don't subscribe to that type of parenting that's a really good way of doing it well because I think they then don't know how to play how to occupy themselves so what about iPads they have iPads devices so she has a show before bed every night which I mean who knows if that's good or bad but like it's a kind of wind down it's time for us to have a bit of dinner whatever we try, we're more successful with her than we have been on number two. But when we went out with her, we never did the iPad thing. Really? But I mean, as a result, I was up holding her, jigging around. Then he'd eat yeah. his food, we'd swap. So like, it is quite full on. But we've tried to kind of slightly minimise that. But it's hard, isn't it? So what does your daughter do when you go, right, well, be bored or think of something to do? She loves a bit of crafting. She makes cards. And I mean, the development in them hasn't been prodigious, let's say. <laughs> She's not gone up the levels like Ed Sheeran with a guitar. No, no. But she will go off and make a card. 
that's the default. If I'm like, oh, babe, I really need five minutes. I say, why don't you make Josh a card? <laughs> I think he'd really like a card. And in she goes. Has she got a guitar in case she did want to write an album? No, we just, she did have a ukulele. So you hang on. So you go, Ed Sheeran was bored once. Then he wrote an album. So go off, but with no guitar. <laughs> Yeah, that's unfair, but she can do push-ups or whatever. But I just think it's important that she knows, because I think sometimes a lot of the pressure for us comes from filling the time. And when I grew up, Mm. like, I don't remember my mom ever taking me to an entertainment, like, situation. My mom did not take me to go ape. No, no. She'd take me Sainsbury's and I'd just follow her around. And you were delighted to sit in that bloody little bit in the trolley in the front of it and whack a few apples in your pocket. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but like, I do think, yeah, we kind of rob them of being able to figure out what they're into if we mm. schedule every day with play dates and noise and nonsense. So I'm a kind of slightly less is more. Roy likes to schedule activities, but I think that's more his issue than theirs. That's his vibe. Yeah. <laughs> you're both Irish. You and Roy are both Irish, aren't you? Is that right? Yeah. So you're growing up in North London, your kids, you can have two North London sort of English kids, how does that feel? And how often do you go back to Ireland? Are you going back for Christmas? Or What's their accent? Oh, it's a mixed old bag. Yeah, it's very funny because they'll have like girls. Rubes will say the girls. She's now gotten a little bit posh since she's been in school. But then most people hear her accent as being very Irish because right. she has our right. pronunciations. She identifies as Irish. Identif- She's like, I am an Irish girl. <laughs> Just because my <laughs> accent <laughs> is a little bit different doesn't mean I'm not Irish. Where was she born? Was she born here or Ireland? She was born here. Yeah, she was born here. And Marnie was born at home, literally here. Was that planned? It was planned. Right. Yeah, however, I went full hippy dippy the second time round, but it was rushed. I mean, first time round, I was in like proper active labour, but wild denial. I hadn't packed my hospital bag and I rang the midwife going, it feels like things have kicked up a notch. And she did whatever (laughs) timing she did on the thing and then said, get in a taxi, babe. It was Saturday night. And I arrived into the hospital 45 minutes later and she did a sweep, which you guys are missing out on. (laughs) Joyous. What is a sweep? It's sort of, they just, a nurse's fingers sort of just, Go in. Oh, I wish it was just the fingers, Rob. Oh, isn't it? It's the full shebang. For land? Yeah. Oof. I mean, at least that's how it felt. I don't know. I didn't actually see not it. straight away. Surely they go in. Do they build Not much. No? Not much not build much. up. Okay. Not just much straight build flat up. palm. Like you're feeding the hole straight in. <laughs> straight in. Wide open. <laughs> Wide no. open bang. That's what it felt like. But she... She was like, okay, we're eight centimetres. You'll know what that means. Ten and it's like no yeah. time. I was like, okay, so what happens now? And she's like, well, you're going to have a baby. I was like, no, 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 we've got brunch tomorrow. What are you talking about? <laughs> so it came as a bit of a shock to the system. And I didn't love the um, hospital birth situation. Like, here's the truth of it. I was silent for the entire birth. What? Because mm. also as well, like, I've known you for a little while, but and we've quite an intense chat here. I can't imagine you being silent, just sitting down, never mind giving exactly. birth. So what caused that? I mean, honestly, I think I was in, in shock. I felt right. really frightened and I kind of just like, I don't know. It was quite childlike for me in a way in that I just kind of slightly shut down and mm. felt just very out of control. 
And so the following, when, when I got pregnant with Marnie, I was like, okay, I really want to do things differently. I want my birth experience to kind of heal the previous one yeah, in yeah. a way. Because I was like, it just feels like that was not the empowered experience I hear people talk about. Yeah. And obviously you hear horror stories as well. And that happens. But I really wanted to change it. So I did a home birth and it was insane. I mean, like still sore at certain points. But it was amazing. Like it lit the fire, had incense, had meditation music. Oh, I mean, I may as well have been out in the garden. Gar. Yeah. I know. Roy had to empty the pool. Crystals? Any crystals? It doesn't sound very Roy. It doesn't sound it's very Roy. It's not very Roy, but he leaned in. A giant yes. uh, rose quartz <laughs> in the bottom of the birthing pool. A massive crystal. Oh, yeah. He's laminated oh, yeah. the sofa so there's no dirt on there. <laughs> <laughs> no stains. Yeah. It was mad, but it was so much... I was able to like trust myself. And look, I had read loads of books and it was like, our bodies know how to birth if everyone can Mm. just get out of the way. And I do feel really passionately that this idea of birthing laying down only came in when some male friggin' consultant decided that he got a better angle from that. Right. So actually, you're supposed to be up and about. You're not supposed to be on your back because gravity doesn't really allow for a baby to drop if you're lying down. So anyway... I was moving around. I was on the toilet. I was dancing. I was mooing. And I mean, I like really went for it. If I was trying to make up for being silent first time round, I was like a wild animal and it was <laughs> joyous. Did the neighbours hear? I don't know if they heard. We're in a detached house, so I don't think they did. But my daughter heard at yeah. whatever, 3 a.m. And she came down. And I mean, I was literally like, I could feel the head. And I was like, no, no, I'm not ready. Put it back in, put it back in. She's like, that's not how it works. Not Ruby, but the midwife said, yeah. babe, oh, that ship has sailed. <laughs> then Ruby came in and I thought, oh God, okay. I felt myself getting a bit hysterical. Yeah. And then she came in. And weirdly, I had this like moment of, okay, I do not want to freak her out. Yeah. This could be quite a traumatizing thing. And she just sat and like rubbed my face and I did one final push and out she popped. Oh, wow. I know. I'm born at exactly the same time as Ruby's born 329, which is no, bonkers. That's crazy. Yeah, really weird. Really weird. Did you have any pain relief for that then? Or what was going No. No. First time round, I had gas and air. Mm. Afterwards, when I was like, I was so quiet, I realised that in that moment where like the contraction comes and the noise should come naturally, I was like, instead of. Yeah. So I was on the gas and air at the moment when I should have been probably expressing something. And so the second time around, I just, I didn't have any of it. Oh, wow. I had maybe a chug. Like, I definitely had gas and air there, but I... <laughs> a chug. I had a chug at the beginning, and then I was like, do you know what? I feel like I'm going to vomit, and I might just want to... As I say, I love a bit of pain. I kind of thought, I want to feel all of the extremities. That's my <laughs> vibe. So I really wanted to know what it felt like, the full spectrum. Are you going to go again? I'm done. You're done. Done and dusted. Yeah. Although I do sometimes think, oh, my God, but like Roy's having none of it. (laughs) It's laminated now, Robbie. Can't add a third child (laughs) to his laminated list. It's done. It's done. No, I think three, like I'm one of four girls. Jesus. It's a lot, but it's Mm. more when you live in London. (laughs) Yeah. In this day and age. I've got four brothers and I think it's actually put me off having more. It's just a lot to manage. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a lot to manage. Yeah, but then, you know, when you're dying, you want a good old crew around you, don't you? That's where my head goes I don't to. Know. I think I just want to be left on my own if I'm dying. <laughs> yeah, Last thing I want is someone coming around for a <laughs> cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You're like, oh, listen, I've given you enough. 
<laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Velour XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners, Ulta, Ray-Ban, and Canon. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals during Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th. The cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for Adidas and Fenty. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of Big Give Week's 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. What about Christmas? Do you go back to Ireland to see these sisters? Christmas, we go back mm. and split our time between Roy's place and my home place. And look, I don't know. It just feels so grown up. And I'm obviously in denial to do Christmas on your own. How old are you, Angela? I'm 40 years of age, Rob. I'm ashamed to say. <laughs> no, I think you'd be ashamed to say that, but I think you're old enough to do it on your own. I think I am old enough, but like in reality, I don't know. I like, you know, somebody cooking for me. <laughs> You know, would Roy want to stay in and do the cooking or something and have people to you? No, no, no. <laughs> his family go all out. It's lovely. Also, as well, it's when lo- you're from Ireland, it's fun to go back, then you can see everyone in one hit. You do that for a few days and you come back, and your house is nice and clean and tidy. I think if I lived abroad, you'd just want to come home for Christmas, and then also you can really Irish your kids up for a few weeks. You'd love to live abroad, wouldn't you, Rob? I'd love to live abroad. If you're not living in Spain before you're 50, I will be very surprised. I want to do pure Bob Monkhouse. I want to be on a beach somewhere, come back, knock out some Wipeout, whatever it is you used to do, do three series of that and (laughs) piss off again. Where would you live, Rob? Where would I live? That's the thing. At the moment, there's nowhere I really want to... When I was younger, I wanted to live in like New York or a city and stuff like that to do gigs and things. But now I want to travel around a lot more. I don't think that's the break you're looking for, going to do gigs in New York. That's not the... (laughs) No, but I don't know where I want to go, but I don't think... I'm definitely not going to be living in England when I'm like 50. I'll be somewhere else. Do you think? You need a visa now, though. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? But uh... You shouldn't have voted Brexit, Rob. I didn't vote Brexit. I love being <laughs> you shouldn't have voted Brexit. <laughs> I feel sad for the kids that they can't, when they get old, just go and just 
bounce around Europe or yours are all right. They've got Irish passports. They're grand. They've got an Irish passport. Yeah. yeah. And rail travel thing I did. Right? It was like 250 oh, quid. Yeah. Unlimited train travel around oh, Europe for a month. Oh, interrailing. Oh, did amazing. you do that? Oh. I really wanted to do that. I feel like it's so feral. And then you could just stay there for as long as you want and all that. So Yeah, gorgeous. Did you meet Roy in Ireland? Yeah, we met in Ireland. Met in Ireland. True. So like one of my best pals that I went to uni with and one of his best friends introduced us. Oh, lovely. Are you near each other in Ireland, the families? No, he's from Cork. Right. And I'm from Meath, which is just outside Dublin. So he's like way down south and I'm more of a... I mean, I say I'm a city girl. I'm absolutely not. I'm a country bumpkin. <laughs> so you, you could tell us that, but if you're anyone from Dublin, they're like, no way. You they're like, see. come on, babe. No, absolutely not. <laughs> but yeah, so like, yeah, it's funny because Roisin Connolly, we talked about her parents were are Irish and, and that kind of idea of being brought up in another country but like I remember speaking to Dermot O'Leary and he was like I'm as Irish as you and I was like babe pull the other one yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah he loves being Irish <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but also I have loads of cousins over here whose both parents are Irish and I'm mm. like our Cockney cousins like they don't get it and now I think of course my kids are as Irish as Oh, I am. And obviously they've got a very different experience, but it's really like it's quite a weird thing because I genuinely thought, oh, yeah, before she goes to school, I'd say we'll be home. And then I remember my mum saying, you know, you don't just like home isn't really just a location that you choose to be in. It kind of like happens and suddenly you're in a network and in a community and then that feels like home more than actual home does. Well, yeah, because you're going to have to... I know they're Irish, your kid, but they are going to be two little North London Cockney kids. They're going to sound like you or a version of, exactly. They're going to sound like Rosheed. They're going to sound like Rosheed. And so there is, like, softness to the vowels. They say. And also, I think, because maybe if you're second-generation Irish, you feel like you really want to hold on to that, kind of, or identify... Yeah with this well it's a culture of it isn't it you know well like, i was brought up in a very working class family my parents couldn't be more working class however my life's completely changed where you know on paper not really living a working class lifestyle however that's how you sort of identify as you're moving to spain in next year rob <laughs> <laughs> wait till you get to benedorm rob that's the ultimate working class lifestyle you'll be there <laughs> <laughs> Full circle moment. Exactly. Oh, it's quality. Having a pint with your breakfast. Because you've not lost your accent at all. Because especially you're married to someone Irish, you sort of can almost lose it or double down where you find yourself being more Irish around them. I mean, I think so. And it's weird because my dad's one of 14 and Jesus most of Christ. his siblings moved to the UK. And so 14. they now, I know, I know. That's too many. I've got to say it. No it's offense. a couple too many. And his mother... <laughs> who died at 93, I remember her saying to my sister, who was pregnant at the time, was like, three is enough. But 14, <laughs> that is hardcore. Yeah. Wow. So let's just say emotional containment was not high on her list of right, priorities. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I mean? yeah. They feel your feelings. Get out the fucking door. <laughs> so I think, yeah, it was just a different <laughs> life. She was pregnant, I suppose, for 25 years, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, that's actually... Now that I say it out loud, I'm like, is that correct? Yeah, it yeah. is. Were yeah. any of them twins or triplets, or was it 14 separate? There were 15. There was one set of twins, one who died. So oh, there were 14 single pregnancies. Fucking Nora. I know, I know. And, like, her husband away working here. 
So just another life. And I do think sometimes I'm not that far removed. That's only one generation away. Imagine doing breakfast. (laughs) Just everything. Imagine the school run. That porridge, mate. The porridge getting gobbled in that house. Oh, my God. Yeah, you'd have to do stews, wouldn't you? Stuff that's one pot. (laughs) One huge fucking pot, like you're in a prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time, big time. But also, it's interesting because I suppose with a family that large, by the time the babies came along, the older ones were gone. Gone or, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like a few different families. They left early. Self-policing in a way as well, I suppose. Some of the older ones will look after some of the younger ones. Yeah. But imagine the fucking clothes, trying to work out whose is whose. Oh, my God. And no tumble dryer, not a tumble dryer in sight. <laughs> oh, yeah, just stick it out in the sun in Ireland in February, get it all dried. <laughs> Breezy. Yeah. Fresh. We normally, obviously, well, everyone we speak to is famous in some way, but if you've got 14 kids, we will make an exception just to interview you about the logistics of your life. Do write in. Yeah, if anyone's listening that's got 14 kids. Oh, I was like, she's dead, Josh. I just no, said no, no, that. No, no, no. Yeah, no, you mean no, 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 generally. No, you're, yeah. yeah, in general. Yeah. <laughs> generally. Yeah. Although I, otherwise, I would definitely hook you up. Does your dad say, like, that was kind of set them apart and that was odd or did it feel totally normal to him? I Like, I guess you're whatever situation you're born into is your normal, right? And look, there probably would have been, like I'd say they'd have been a sizable enough family in the locality, but they weren't the only ones. Like I'd say there was 10 plus in a good few family. Yeah. So at school, it weren't like you was the only one with like that many aunties and uncles. Exactly that. Exactly. You're basically the school. You're basically the entire school, yeah. And like there's got to be, I imagine you feel quite held and galvanised heading up the road with 14 of yeah. you in a row. Like, no one's going to mess with you. Angela, growing up, though, when you're Angela's 16, 17, going to pubs and discos and meeting young men, mm. are you worried? Am I worried about what? That there may be a cousin lurking. <laughs> There's a big odds that you've copped off with your cousin at 18 somewhere in the Dublin Oh, my area. God, stop it. No, because actually most of my aunties and uncles came to the UK. So a lot right. of the cousins are over here. That helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Angela, we'll let you crack on. We've got one last question we always ask our guests. What's the one thing that your partner Roy does that is... Can I just say, yeah. I'd stop you there, Rob, because I've done it as well. We've never used the name of a partner more in a podcast. Oh. I think we love the name Roy. We love saying Roy. I like saying yeah. the name Roy and organised. Yeah. I reckon we've said Roy 20 times in this podcast. Normally, we've forgotten the name of the partner the moment it's come out of the person's yeah. mouth. Well, it's funny because when I first met him, I was like, is Roy your real name? Like, honestly. <laughs> and he said, yeah, it is my real name. And I was like, the only other Roy I know is Roy Proper from Coronation Street. And he was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Roy Keane, Roy Keane. Oh, Roy Keane, of course. But he yeah. was named William officially after his grandfather. And mm. then his mother fancied a doctor called Roy and thought, Ooh, oh, maybe he'll turn out to be a doctor. Yeah. So what's one thing the old Holgatron does that you uh, are just you're like, oh, my God, I'm so happy and lucky to have children with Roy. And then what's the one thing Roy does that you just think, <laughs> if you listen back with parenting, it does your nut in and you wish she'd stopped. And if he listens, you'd go, fair enough. She's got a point. I mean, honestly, he is. When I hear other people going, they're useless, the men are useless, I think, oh, I don't know. I think I might be the man in this relationship. <laughs> he is... Like an unbelievable dad. 
like unbelievably hands-on has like an insane capacity like this madness of when they were newborns they'd be like oh jesus they'd wake in the middle of the night and i think this is never gonna end and he would say oh my god it's so lovely to get up in the middle of the night and have those oh, cuddles God. and it's not going to last forever. And I'd be like, are oh, you just right. saying this to try and buoy me up? It's not working. <laughs> but like he has an insane capacity to hold them and me. <laughs> and that's kind of amazing. <laughs> and you only realise that when you really, really need it, but it is, it is something else. And then, I mean, I guess it's the annoying, like in an airport, he freaks us all out. It is absolutely intense and emotional. And I mean, it's highly irritating, but it's very stressful traveling with him. <laughs> Even though he has the bloody laminated thing, we're all running to the gate two hours before, you know, rushing to stand still. Everyone feels it in the car on the way. Mm. It's like, it's quite intense. Airport dad. Airport dad. It's an absolute nightmare. And it's so cliche that I'm like, babe, give it a rest. We're going to get there <laughs> anyway, but this is not cute. You need to lay off. So a bit too airport daddy. Yeah, airport dad needs to, yeah, lie down. Adja, it's been uh, absolutely amazing to have you on. Thanks so much, guys. Cheers, mate. <laughs> Cheers. See you later. Angela Scanlon. Look That's at that. I've done it straight off the record oh, there, Rob. Look at you. You absolute pro. I've met Angela a few times and she's like that, like busy and full yeah. of energy. But I think there's an extra level of the Strictly buzz off the back of that where she's must be mental, have dedicated you know months. And then makes me even less want to do Strictly. I mean, I would do it and do no training and everyone would hate me. And I think it'd be really bad for my career. The bit where you said to your dancer... I've worked out that in my career, the things I do best at are the things I just try and like put least effort. Yeah. I'd love to see Johannes's face when you tell him that. I'd enjoy it more if I didn't know what I was doing. Just like, yeah, like that. And then be voted off almost straight away. I wonder if you'd get zeros. Like, I wonder how low your score would be if you just riffed it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you next year. Yeah, I'll see you. <laughs> right, I'll see you next week, Josh. Bye. Hello, I'm Giles Brandreth, and I'm excited to tell you about my brand new podcast, Rosebud. It's me talking to famous and fascinating guests about their first memories. There's Dame Judi Dench talking about her first love. We were about six. I came up one day, and he was sitting up on the wall, and he said to me, I think we should call each other darling. <laughs> Did you call each other, darling? No. No. I didn't agree. <laughs> and Alison Hammond not talking about hers. Who is your first proper boyfriend? Well, this is very in-depth, this is, isn't well, no, it? It's I'm just, not sure it's, this it's is going to be on firsts. Daily Mail. <laughs> Come on, Alison. Spill the tea. She does eventually. That's Rosebud with me, Jazz Brandreth. Download and listen whenever you get your podcasts. Can't wait to share Rosebud with you. <laughs> Andy Bush here from Guestimators, the brand new game show where guesswork beats Google. Join me, our resident quizmaster Statman Matt, and a celebrity guest as we dive into the brains of the great British public. Statman, what sort of questions have we been asking? Well, Bush, here are some of my favourites. Who's the best Irish person? Which finger would you chop off if you had to? And how many human-sized corgis could Prince William beat in a fight? To play along at home and listen to the podcast, just visit guestimators.com. I think I chop off my left little finger, by the way.